you you can open your Bible to Luke chapter 9, but I want to begin with a story uh, about trying to tell someone to not do something that was scary. Uh, When I was about seven uh, seven years old, my mom and my three siblings and myself uh, were at the lake, and we were in. We, we we got this ski boat, and it was this ugly brown old doinky little ski boat that we had. And I was always a little bit embarrassed, you know, by it. But uh, we had it, and we were there. Dad was back home working, and you know uh, the rule is so. So mom started the boat and was dis, to, to disembark from the dock. But when she started the boat, she forgot to run the blower first. And because she forgot to run the blower, uh, leftover gasoline fumes residing in the engine compartment exploded. And the boat blew up with us in it. You know, I'm talking fire, smoke, all the things. And uh, my, my little sister and I uh, jumped into the water for safety and swam to the, to the, to the shore my little sister was holding a root beer, I'll never forget it, and paddling with one hand. Um, and uh, they, they put out the flames, took care of it. Uh, but then, you know, someone's got to make the phone call and tell Dad we blew up the boat, you know. And I just knew Dad was going to be so mad. He had warned us a thousand times, you got to run the blower first before you crank up that engine. And I just remember begging my mom, please, just don't tell Dad. We'll make up some kind of story. We'll all buy into it. We'll all be on the same page. You don't have to tell Dad. And I'll never forget standing next to Mom at that payphone, uh, watching her slide in those quarters, and uh, just you know, just begging her the last minute. And and she you know called Dad and said, "Honey, we blew up the boat. It was done." So, but isn't it true? that all of us naturally prefer the path of least resistance ahead. That just naturally, we want to avoid doing scary things, having scary conversations. It is true. It's very true. And I know I have all too often, there's a microphone there, sorry, uh, taken the, wanted to, I've taken the easy path, the safe path in life, and it ended up costing me more than if I would have just done the scary thing first. And I'm sure you can think of some times yourself, when you, probably when you were a kid or a teenager, or maybe yesterday, where you tried to avoid doing something scary, and it ended up costing you more. It's a state of human affairs that we are biased. We are always biased to the least intimidating path forward. And this is a huge problem for us. Think about this. How many young lives have been diverted from some wonderful, exciting career because they were too afraid to go off to college or they were too afraid to take that step into that first big career job? How many marriages have kind of fizzled out into lifelessness because husband and wife are too afraid to have some scary conversations with one another? How many relationships between adult children and their parents have gone cold because they were too afraid to pick up the phone and make the phone call? 
How many ways have people manipulated complex truths about the world we live in because they want things to be simple and neat and safe in their mind? We are biased to the least intimidating path forward, but the least intimidating path forward often leads to destruction. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 7. He said, Wide is the gate. Broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. And actually it gets a little bit worse. Because usually we're hardly even aware that we're doing it. Usually we rationalize. No one likes to think of themselves as a coward. I don't want to think of myself as a coward. I don't know about you, but most people, I think, don't like to think of themselves as cowards. So we paint over the wall of the ugly wall of fear with pretty colors of smart excuses. Right? And we tell ourselves that the least intimidating path forward is actually it's the smart path forward. And so, yes, wide is the gate, broad is the road, and many enter through it. So, if you can pull up uh, this image here, um, if you look at the first nine chapters of the Gospel of Luke, the first nine chapters of Luke's Gospel are, are kind of hunky dory, they're pretty happy. You have that cute little nativity scene in the beginning, and you learn about his grandparents and his great grandparents, and uh, you know, Jesus goes in the wilderness, it's great. Uh, he heals a lot of people. That's really fun. He teaches people. That's really happy. Uh, he does all of these great things. Herod does execute his cousin. That's not so good. But, but then he has the transfiguration scene and Jesus kind of glows in front of his best friends. That's great. So everything's just kind of going up for the first nine chapters of Luke. But then you get to these words in verse 51. And I want you to hear these words uh, from Luke. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. So thanks be to God for this very good word. And it may not look like much yet, but we'll get there. So right here, the whole book pivots. And you can see the structure of the Gospel of Luke this way. So for the first nine chapters, everything's great. Then we get to uh, chapter 9, verse 51. Jesus set His face to go to Jerusalem. And so everything from here on out is Jesus headed toward Jerusalem where He will be taken up. Okay? Um, and uh, you know, basically, Jerusalem, this is where He's going to be crucified. This is where He's going to die. So everything between now and then is Jesus preparing for life's greatest challenge. Starting from this moment, he's getting ready for hard times coming. And so, uh, if you look at this map up on uh, behind me, um, it seems that Jesus at this point in the story is somewhere in this land called Samaria. Okay, now the the the, the country of Israel is actually an incredibly small place. You could probably fit four Israels in the state of Virginia. It's actually very very small. And so you can almost think of Samaria as a very large county, okay, where Jesus is located right now in this point in the story. And right above him to the north, there's another, let's say, large county called Galilee. 
Galilee is where Jesus is from. That's where he grew up, okay? And uh, this is where everybody knows Jesus, and Jesus knows everybody. This is where Jesus has been healing people and helping a lot of families. This is where Jesus has been teaching people some really life-changing teachings. So Galilee, everyone likes him. Galilee, Jesus is popular. He's liked. He's safe. He's home. And to the south of Jesus, if you can pull that right back up for a second, um, is an, we'll say another county called Judea. And Judea is where Jerusalem is. Now, Jesus was uh, technically born in Judea, but that was just when he was a itty little bitty baby. And people in Judea don't really know Jesus. Judea is not home. He has not been healing people in Judea. He has not been teaching people in Judea. And just a few verses earlier in verse 22, Jesus for the first time has predicted that when He goes there, He is going to die a horrible death. He is going to be betrayed by all of His friends. He is going to be arrested and humiliated and executed. That's what's waiting for Him in Judea. And right now, in, in, in chapter 9, verse 51... Jesus is in Samaria. Jesus is in between and betwixt Galilee and Judea. And Jesus has a choice. He has a choice. Will He take the road back to Galilee or will He take the road down to Jerusalem? Will He choose the safe path ahead or will He choose the scary, intimidating road to Jerusalem. Well, we know what happens in the story. We know that Jesus chose the scary, intimidating road into Jerusalem. Jesus chooses the hard thing. He picks up the phone and slides in the quarters and makes that phone call. Jesus does the scary thing. He tells his spouse he's, you know, the thing he's been needing to say out loud for a long time. He calls the counselor and says that he needs help. He, he gets his arrangements in order uh, for like a living will so that uh, you know, the next generation uh, will be in a better place if he happens to pass away. He faces the scary thing in front of him. Now actually, if you look at uh, Luke 9.51, that actual text, uh, Luke um, doesn't say that uh, uh, when the days drew near for him to be crucified. It says when the days drew near for him to be taken up. And that's Luke's uh, key word for the ascension. Okay, so Jesus was crucified, he was resurrected, and then he ascended. He went up into heaven. Okay, he was taken up into heaven. So in that language there of Luke, you can see that Luke has his eyes on the prize. Luke is not focused on the crucifixion. Luke is not focused on the terrible thing. Um, Luke and Jesus know that there is no ascension or resurrection without crucifixion. Without doing the scary, hard thing, you don't get the ascension. Without doing the scary things, you don't build a life that is prepared for hard times coming. So, I want to ask you a question this morning. You're standing in Samaria. And you have a road back home to safety in Galilee. And you have a road to Jerusalem. 
And I'm telling you that you have a bias to take that safe road back to Galilee. So which road are you going to walk? One thing that my uh, dad told me, and uh, he lived it out so incredibly well, and uh, all the way until the day he went to heaven. And, um, and I want to tell it to you now, and I don't want you to ever forget it. Okay, I want you to tattoo these words on your heart, and uh, we'll wrap things up. This is what my dad told me. If you're trying to decide what to do, do the thing that scares you the most. There's a certain genius to that saying because the gravity is always to do the safe thing. You always have a bias to take the safe road back to Galilee. And so when things feel ambiguous and uncertain, when you're trying to decide what to do, do the thing that scares you the most. Intimacy requires courage. Love requires courage. Making the sacrifices necessary to take care of your family, that requires courage. Doing the right thing when everyone around you is doing the wrong thing, that requires courage. You have to have a lot of scary conversations and do a lot of intimidating things in this life if you want to prepare well for life's greatest challenges. Just like Jesus on that crossroad between Galilee and Jerusalem, your bias is running back to Galilee. So when you're trying to decide what to do, do the thing that scares you the most. Listen, in your daily life, there's a bajillion different ways you can think about this, but I want to give you just two things uh, to, to chew on uh, as you try to imitate Jesus and, and choose the scariest possible things in life. Number one, get in touch with your feelings. I bet you did not see that one coming, did you? So, uh, raise your hand if you're just a good old southern boy like me. Yeah! This isn't just a good old southern boy thing, really. Um, but it is, it is true, and it's, it's, just, it's really pervasive across, uh, across all, boys and girls, north, south, east, west, whatever. But isn't it true, you know, our culture really uh, uh, trains us to kind of stuff down our feelings, okay? And uh, if we feel humiliated or embarrassed or heartbroken or ashamed or afraid, we are taught to pretend like it isn't so. But the problem is that if you become callous to your own feelings, if you train your body to no longer feel what you're actually feeling, you won't even notice when you're afraid anymore. And if you don't notice when you're afraid anymore, you won't notice when your fear is pulling you away from Jerusalem back to Galilee. So get in touch with your feelings so that you can see when it's your fear guiding you and not Jesus. The second thing is this. Uh, don't helicopter your kids or your students. Uh, my dad constantly made uh, my three siblings and myself uh, do lots of scary things. We, um, we learned how to, sl to, to slalom ski and to snow ski, and uh, we learned how to go rock climbing, and uh, ride, we were riding roller coasters all the time. 
And uh, we were always doing scary things. And, and every day of my childhood, I just kind of wandered off into the neighborhood and played with my friends and, and went on adventures and these kinds of things. And um, childhood needs to be filled with adventure and risk and some scary stuff too. Some scraped knees, some bruised shins, some hurt feelings. All of that's, that's good within uh, a certain range. Uh, it has to be so that, so that children can learn to embrace challenge and risk and adventure and they know how to navigate fear. So don't helicopter your kids or students. Those are just a couple things. My friends, when you're trying to decide what you should do, do the thing that scares you the most. The good news is that God is waiting for you on the other side of Jerusalem. God is waiting to give you resurrection on the other side of the scariest possible things in life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Loving God, we give thanks to You today for the life of Jesus. Jesus who chose the scary, intimidating path to Jerusalem. And we invite Your Holy Spirit to join us today, to come to us today, to help us pay attention to our fear so that we can do brave things in life. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.